back. Here we go. As you make your way back to your seat, if you have your Bible, grab it. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. It's also, our one verse is in your worship guide as well. Uh, Past uh, 10 weeks, we have been looking at each week one verse where we got one truth to share with one person. We've also challenged you to memorize them, and so I hope you have uh, done that. We've tried to pick verses that uh, were foundational, important, that ones we need to memorize. And so we've got two weeks left of this, um, and we're about done. Our verse this morning, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says this. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes the words of Christ, and he says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is the word of the Lord. Fun fact, learned this morning, this was the first verse Anthony ever memorized. So, it must be a good one. Unlike Nathan, interestingly shared this morning about his uh, first trip to the eye doctor, I, from a young age, was sitting in eighth grade math class and sitting toward the back and could not see the board. I didn't really care because it was math and I didn't like math. Who likes math? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it was starting to give me headaches and I couldn't see and I was playing ball and I guess it was probably affecting that and I kept having to move closer and I didn't want to sit in the front row, you know, because it was math class. So I wanted to sit in the back. And so uh, we went to, to the eye doctor and I didn't want glasses because I didn't want to be less cool than I already was, right? And so uh, I got contacts, but I remember so distinctly the moment in eighth grade when I walked out of the eye doctor with a pair of contacts in my eyes going and like <laughs> the color the color was brighter things were cr- I was like I can see it mom I can see that sign way over there but you can't see it mom you know and, and 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 it was just amazing the things that I was not seeing clearly and now you know if I take my glasses off man I couldn't I can't even see people in the front row it was bad so Nathan welcome to the club But here's the thing, we all are looking through lenses whether you have bad eyes or not. We all are looking through glasses, looking through lenses, and we see the world and we see people through a lens. And choosing the lens by which we view the world and view people changes everything. When I came to Christ at 15 years old at church camp, I remember distinctly coming home and seeing the world different. I remember seeing the world through a lens that I'd never seen it before where I saw brokenness, which I'd seen before, but I saw it in a new way. I'd seen how the world was corrupted in a way that it was never supposed to be. I had a new lens, had a new perspective on the world. C.S. Lewis famously says it like this. I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. You see, we as followers of Jesus, need to see each other and the world through the lens of the gospel. So we're going to look at this morning. One thing I try to say every week is that, our, that context is king. Context matters. And so I want to look at the previous verse real quick because it really sets up our verse this morning. So verse 16 says this. From now on, therefore, we regard, pay attention to that word, the 
From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Notice the word regard. It's interesting, we don't use that a lot. It means to perceive or to see clearly. So the verse is telling us that we don't perceive or look at anyone according to the flesh. We don't look at them based on their flesh, but what in the world does that mean, right? It's not that we just don't look at their physical state or physical body. That's not what he's saying. Or or that, that we need to look at their spiritual state. That's not what he's saying. There's two Greek words that could be used here to talk about the physical body. One is soma. You may have heard that before. I think there's a store in the mall called soma. That just means body. That's not the word Paul uses. He uses the word sarks, meaning flesh, which means the the corruptible, the broken, the decaying, that which is old and passing away. Paul is saying that we should not perceive or look at people who are in Christ or the world through the lens of those that are broken, that are passing away, that is corrupted. But rather, we should look through the lens of the gospel. This sets the stage for a verse this morning. We don't view Christians through this broken lens, so then how do we look at them? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay, the first thing we got to look. So we're just going to break down this verse. We're going to walk through it. The first thing we got to see is this big word here. It's a profound word, if. He says, if anyone is in Christ, which immediately tells us that means there are some people who are in Christ and some who are not in Christ. And so the first question that you must answer for yourself this morning is, are you in Christ? Not, do you enjoy church? Not, do you believe that there is a God and God is real? Not, do you believe that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago? Not, are you a member of a church? Not, do you like singing hymns? Not, do you like Going to church, the question is, have you made Jesus your king? Have you been with, are you in Christ? It's the biblical idea of conversion. You know, it's so interesting to me. Sometimes we use that word conversion in a weird way. We'll say, oh yeah, you know, I used to be Catholic, but I converted. Or I used to be Baptist, but I converted to Catholicism. But that's not, that's not really what conversion is. Conversion is this moment, not where you became a Baptist or became a Catholic. It is this moment where you went from spiritual death to spiritual life. And this moment where you were under the condemnation of God for your sin to forgiven and adopted into his family. So conversion is this one distinct moment that we have when we come under the lordship of Jesus and are saved from our sins. Not when we became a Baptist or a Catholic or Methodist or whatever. Conversion is this one-time moment. So the question is, are you in Christ? Now, a little bit of a disclaimer here. You know, one of the things I want to be super clear about is it is not my intention this morning to manipulate you or to make you feel bad or to scare you into thinking you're not. I've seen too many preachers get up and baptize a lot of people who've already been baptized three other times because they scared them that they weren't Christians. My goal this morning, rather, is to either give you more assurance and more confidence in your salvation or help you to realize that you've not come to him and you're not his. Because I have seen grown men who have been in church their whole lives come and say, I've been on the sideline and I've never truly followed. So the question is, When Paul says, if you are in Christ, the question is, are you? 
So let's follow Paul's logic. Verse 16, we don't look at anyone according to their corrupt nature, but if you are in Christ, new creation. Now, interesting, when we look at this verse, you see the words, he is a new creation. The words, he is a, are actually not in there. Those are added later for readability in English. The way it actually reads in Greek is, if you are in Christ, new creation. If you are in Christ, new creation. It's not simply saying that if you're in Christ, you're going to be a new creation. You're going to be new. There's going to be something special about you. It's not individualistic. It is much bigger and broader and more giant than that. He's saying, rather, that through Christ, you have entered in to the new creation. That there is this whole construction project that God is on, and you get to enter into it. Now, what in the world do I mean? Let's back up for a moment. In the beginning, God created this world that was perfect and, perfect and beautiful and harmonious, and everything was right in the world. And then we rebelled against God. And when we rebelled against God, everything was shattered and broken, and there was sickness and death and violence, and we fight, and we are jealous, and we lie, and we do all these kinds of things wrong. The world is broken. We don't, you know, we see the world, and we see it's broken. So what is then the mission of God from there? The mission of God is not merely to say, hey, guys, the world is broken, so let me forgive you for your rebellion so I can bring you out of the world and take you to heaven. That is not God's mission. God's mission, rather, is to say, I made this world beautiful and perfect and good. You screwed it up, but I'm going to fix you and it. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to set all of this right. I'm going to put the puzzle back together. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix you so that you fit in it. God is not simply interested in escaping us from this world to take us up to heaven and and leave the world to to go to hell in a handbasket. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, I made this place perfect, and you screwed it up, and I'm going to fix it. You see, heaven's important. It's just not the end of the world. The end of the world is rather in a resurrection and a new heaven and a new earth, a new creation. God's mission is bigger than forgiveness and taking us to heaven. God's mission is to make all things new. God's mission is to make all things new, to make a new creation out of the old broken one. So God through Jesus is making a world where there is no more disease where there is no more anger or jealousy, there's no more fighting, there's no more death. He's making a world where we don't get tired, where we don't age, where we don't get hurt, where we don't die. He is making a world where the deepest longings and aches of our heart find their fulfillment and rest. That world is not up in the clouds, that world is all around you, and God is fixing it. And so when Paul says, if you are in Christ, new creation, he is telling us that we are a part of that project. He is telling us that if you are in Christ, new creation is coming, and you get to be in it. You are entering through Christ into this new creation project. And if you're going to enter into that story, God is going to make you new. It reminded me of uh, The Last Battle, which is the the seventh book in the Narnia series. Y'all know I love Narnia. And in the last battle, there's this, at the end of the book, spoiler alert, uh, 
all of this group of people that have been through all the books, they die and they go to what is called in the book True Narnia. And, and they see everything as it was always meant to be, right? And Jewel, who is a unicorn, a talking unicorn, of course, Jewel says, let me get it right. This is the world I have always longed for, though I never knew it till now. I think that's a beautiful picture of what's coming for us. The world we've always longed for, though we never could quite understand what it looked like. All of our hopes and dreams and deepest longings and aches. This world is the one we were not made for, but that world is. See, we were made for paradise. So God's mission to bring about that world and to prepare you to fit into it. His mission is to make all things new. See, that's where this gets a little confusing and it's hard to grasp when we think about how we fit into that equation, right? Because if God has made you into a new creation, like if you're in Christ, you say, yes, Brent, I'm in Christ, I have confidence in that, I've been converted, I am, I'm born again, I'm his, uh, yes, I'm a new creation, but then why is it you still sin? Why is it you still make mistakes? Why is it you still struggle? Why is it that sometimes you got, you know, remember Looney Tunes? Y'all don't know Looney Tunes, but y'all remember Looney Tunes? Remember Bugs Bunny would get the, the, the devil, the, the, the Bugs Bunny devil on one shoulder and the Bugs Bunny angel on the other shoulder telling him, don't do it, and the other one saying, do it. Sometimes we listen to the devil on our shoulder, right? Like sometimes we know I shouldn't do that, and yet we still do it. Why is it that we are still that way? Why is it that uh, we start doubting our salvation when we screw up? We mess up and mess up and we begin to doubt God's love for us because we think, I'm a new creation and yet I act like a fool. I'm, I'm supposed to be this new creation where old things have passed away, but whole new have come, but I sure don't feel like that. I feel like I'm just a hot mess, right? And so sometimes that happens to us and we go, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe I've screwed this thing up. So how do we think through that? If anyone is in Christ, new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, when we look at our lives, sometimes we think that this, uh, this old man in us really hasn't passed away. right? So, so think about this with me. In us, and every one of you that are believers, there's the old man or woman. I'm going to use man, but, you know, both of you. Old man, new man, and they're at war. They're at war, and sometimes we give in to the old man. Sometimes we give in to our old nature, the fleshly nature, right? And here's how I think we need to understand this. Uh, there's this concept I think is helpful. So it's called already, not yet. Y'all say that with me. Say already, not yet. So here's what I mean. God has accomplished things that are already true, but they are not yet fully true, fully realized. Let me give you an example. Uh, Nathan, our worship, worship leader, uh, adopted Robinho. Robinho, what up, bro? Amen. And when they adopted Robinho, there was a moment legally when Robinho became a full Mabry. Half Mabry or full Mabry? Full? He's like, why are you talking to me, bro? <laughs> he became a full neighbor, but he was still in Haiti. His parents hadn't got him yet. And at that moment, he was both a full son, and a full neighbor, but he was not experiencing all of the privileges of sonship, right? And so it was already true, but not yet fully true, while he awaited for them to come pick him up. And now he experiences the full pleasure of sonship. 
right? And so in the same way, already, not yet, you are already a new creation right now. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation right now, but it is not yet fully realized, right? Because you still sin, you still mess up. The world is under construction. God is fixing it, and you are under construction, and God is fixing you. God is transforming you so that you can fit rightly into the new world he's making. Because if he puts you into that world now, you wouldn't fit. you break it again. C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. And God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks on the roof and so on. And you knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts, and it doesn't seem to make any sense. And what on earth is he up to? The explanation is that God is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing over here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making a court hard. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace, and he intends to come and live in it himself. See, God is making you into a new creation. He's declared you are it now, and you're a part of it now, but he is making you all the rest of your life until the day you die and are glorified into something so beautiful and so glorious like a palace for a king. But right now, there's a war going on inside of you. But right now, you live in this time between these times, right? This time where it's already and not yet. This time where you are a new creation, but you're still part of the old creation, Do you have the old man and the new man in you at war? Our flesh and the new creation battling it out. But God is tearing down walls in your life, and sometimes we don't like it. We're like, God, I don't want you to tear down this wall. I still want to do that over there, right? And we fight him, and we say, no, God, you can't have it. I'm going to keep living the way I want to live. I'm going to do the things I want to do. And God's saying, no, no, this is mine. I'm going to change this. I'm going to make it new. No, you're not, right? And so there's this battle going on. And sometimes we let the old man win. Sometimes we let the flesh win. We listen to the devil on our shoulder and we give in. We give in to our desires and we live in this broken world and like it sometimes. But hear me say this. Some of you in this room right now feel incredible guilt and incredible shame over things in your past or maybe even things in your present. Some of you in this room can pinpoint exact moments and exact things that you have done. And no matter how hard you have tried to get rid of them, no matter how many times you have prayed, no matter how many times you have tried to make penance, you can't seem to get past it and shake it. You can't seem to get over the guilt and over the shame and you feel like it haunts you and you'll never get past it or never get over it. That God's forgiveness is not ever going to be enough and and you don't feel like a new creation and you don't think he loves you. But hear me say this. Your feelings about the thing that you did wrong do not change what God has declared over you. If you are in Christ, new creation. He doesn't say, if you've been good, new creation. He doesn't say, if you've straightened up, new creation. 
He doesn't say if you got your life right, new creation. He doesn't say if you made up for the thing, new creation. No, he says if you're in Christ, new creation. We need to feel the weight of that. Because it is a temptation of all of our hearts to perform and to make up and to justify ourselves. And rather, we need to rest in the grace of God because Jesus has paid the debt of all of our sin. If you are in Christ, then no matter what setbacks you have, no matter how many times you fall, no matter how big the mistake, the mission of God will go forward in your life. Does it matter? You can't screw it up. He's still going to make you into a new creation. He said, you are it now, and I will not give up on this project. I will make you new, and he will continue to make you new. When God first created the world, he created ex nihilo, out of nothing. He spoke, and there was nothing, and he made something beautiful. And then he spoke light into darkness. And if God can create perfection and beauty out of nothing, Imagine what kind of glory he can create out of your mess. You see, God is coming to speak light into the darkness of your soul and make something beautiful. This past week, our Marion mission team, we had a team go to Marion, Ohio, and they were working on all kinds of projects, and me and Ryan got to go up there and visit with them and get to see what they were doing. And, you know, a couple of the projects were kind of overwhelming, right? We had to build an entire garage, right, in a week. Uh, they had this huge house that had to be completely, all the paint ripped off, repainted, and a completely new roof and all this. And, and I was up there, I was like, Elaine, are y'all going to get this done? <laughs> I don't know. But sometimes when you look at it on the outset and you see this raggedy house that's falling apart, and you're like, how in the world are we ever going to fix this thing? And then at the end of the week, you look, and you look at, look at what it is now, and you look back at the picture that you took on, the, on day one, and you're going, oh, my gosh. Look how this thing is transformed. Look at how it's different. Look how beautiful it is. How in the world could we have gotten from this thing to this thing? But we did, and that is exactly what God is doing to you. Sometimes we think there is no way God can make something beautiful out of my mess. But God brought beauty out of raising Jesus from the dead, and he will take your scars and your wounds and your failures and make a masterpiece out of them. Because that's what he does. Like when Michelangelo was asked how he sculpted his, his, his statue of David. It's so beautiful and so, you know, whatever. How did you do it, Michelangelo? And he said, by simply removing all of the stone that wasn't David. And that is exactly what God is doing. He is slowly chiseling away, little by little, bit by bit, every piece of the old man in you. Every sin, every fault, every bad attitude, every mistake, every imperfection, slowly chiseling away until there is nothing left but the redeemed, perfect version of you that you were always supposed to be. Until there is nothing left but a new creation. You say, Brent, how do you know that? How do you know that God can take my mess and make something beautiful out of it? Because you don't know my wounds, you don't know my scars, you don't know the things that I've done, they're unspeakable. You don't know the way I think. There was a man who was a uh, very religious man, believed in God with all of his heart and followed him to the letter of the law. And this man 
is what we would call today a terrorist because he gloried in going around and finding people who disavowed his religion or spoke against his religion, and he stoned them. He put them to death, and he enjoyed doing it. That man wrote this verse. His name was Paul. And if God can take a religious terrorist and so transform his life to write part of the Bible, God can take your mess He can make you into a new creation. We started off asking the question, how should we perceive or look at people? How do we look at the world? How do we look at each other? If we don't look at them in the flesh, how do we look at people with gospel glasses? That They are new creations, fallen and being made new. You see, we should see followers of Jesus as more than people who we just go to church with. And begin to see them as brothers and sisters. That these people, to your left and to your right, are your blood. You should fight for them. You should serve them, pray for them, sacrifice for them. Brothers and sisters in this room who still have the old man in them, still make mistakes, still get mad, still fail you, still frustrate the snot out of you. But they are more than the mistakes that they have made. You are more than the mistakes you have made. You are a new creation, and God is fashioning you into something beautiful. And maybe God will use you and people here's lives to help remove the old and build the new. When you look at people with gospel glasses, maybe you will see how you partner with God to help people grow, remove the old, and add the new. Maybe we should see people in light of who God is making them instead of the people they were or are. You see, if you look at someone just in the flesh, you will see their failures. You will see their mistakes, the ways they've hurt you. But if you perceive them, if you see them based on what God is making them into, instead of writing them off, you can identify with them because that's your story too. You can identify with them and serve them. You see, looking at someone in the flesh might mean that you see them as They've got money, they've got status, they've got popularity. If I hang around them, it benefits me. But perceiving someone with the gospel might mean they have nothing to offer me. In fact, they irritate me a little bit. But they're my brother. And God is making them into a new creation, and I need to know how to serve them, how to help them, and how I can love them better. It will, when you see it that way, when you use those glasses, it will help you be patient when other people fail you. Because you will know that God is slowly chiseling away all of those bad things out of them. And even though sometimes you wish God would get, a, get rid of his chisel and get a jackhammer and hurry up, you can rest knowing that God will get the work done precisely when God intends for it to. And maybe, just maybe, God is using someone else's failures and mistakes in your life to chisel away the broken parts of you. George MacDonald has this famous book called The Princess and Curdie. And in this book, there is a fairy godmother who comes to Curdie to tell him that he has got to go rescue the king and the princess. But she says, be aware on your journey. You will find people who look beautiful on the outside but are monsters on the inside. And you will find those that are monsters on the outside but are beautiful on the inside. And if you can't tell 
which is which. You won't know who to trust, and you'll fail your mission. And so this uh, fairy gives Curdy this power that when he touches the hand of someone, he can see who they truly are. And so to test it out, to teach him, the fairy godmother brings this loathsome creature. She described as a short body with legs like an elephant, a head something between a polar bear and a snake, green and yellow eyes with his bottom teeth sticking up out of his mouth like icicles. This loathsome creature, the fairy godmother says to Curtie, touch her hand. And when Curtie does, the book says, what a shudder of terrified delight ran through him. Instead of the paw of a monster, he held in his hand the soft hand of a child. What would Curdy see if he touched your hand? Would he see a new creation? Or would he see a loathsome, hopeless creature? Lewis famously said, we're becoming one of two things, something so beautiful. If you were to see your future self, you'd be tempted to worship something so hideous that if you were to see that self, you'd run in fear. What are you becoming? Are you becoming a new creation? Are you in Christ? Or are you in the flesh? Only through Christ can your story be changed. Your story can enter Christ's story. You can enter through Christ into a new creation and be made new and be in this world that is to come. And he is inviting you in and he's already paid the way. So the question is, will you come? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we ask two things. One, God, that you would help us to wear gospel glasses, that we would see our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, through that lens, that they are broken, they are fallen, they've made mistakes, but that they are being made new. Just like us, broken, fallen, made mistakes, but are being made new. Help it to give us grace and compassion toward our brothers and sisters, that when they fail us, we are patient with them, that we forgive them. We love them and serve them. Help us to see our brothers and sisters that way. But God, if there is anyone in this room right now who is struggling with guilt and shame over uh, sin, uh, over something they've done, a failure, God, help them to see that they are new creations and God is not giving up on them, that you are not giving up on them, that you have a plan and a purpose and you are making them new. You're making them whole, that there is no wound so deep that you can't fill it. So God, would you this morning heal those wounds, heal those hurts, and those sins that they have not been able to let go of because they think they can't be forgiven. God, would you show them that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for everything, past, present, and future, small, big, no matter how big, it is paid for through the blood of Jesus, and they are cleansed. And that they are yours, adopted children of God, new creations. Set them free from that guilt and shame this morning, Father. And if there's one in here who doesn't know you, who they look at their life and they say, you know what? I believe in God, but I've never been in Christ. I've never been converted. I've never made him my Lord and my Savior. God, this morning, would you help them to do just that? Give them the courage. Open blind eyes and deaf ears that we would see and hear the truth. Church, if you're here this morning got anything going on you want us to pray with you we'd be happy to i'm going to ask the deacons to go to the far sides of a of the worship center they're going to be over there in the corners if you need them i'm going to be up front these steps are open you want to come and just kneel and just pray 
There's no shame in that. That is a good thing to do. You want to pray with me? I'd love to hug your neck and pray with you. These men on the sides with their wives would love to do that. You need to just stand and sing because you're grateful for the gift of God's mercy. Do that. But don't do nothing. God, give us the strength. In Jesus' name we pray. All those people said, stand and sing.